that's like the worst thing you can say to me. It's like, yeah. can you be, really yeah. be, be funny? Be funny. Be funny. Be witty. You know? <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome back to Center Ed Teaching. Uh, for those of you who joined us last week, we were talking about CPET's work on Rikers with um, teachers in the prison and inmates. And today we're going to change topic a little bit, but keep going with what is some of the work that CPET is doing that you can actually bring to your classroom, whether that's um, in theory or in what's actually happening on the ground. So today we're going to talk about the Student Press Initiative. And so to do that, I have Christina with me. Hello. And joining us for the first time today on the podcast is Jen. Hey. Um, so to open up this conversation, I think we just want to get some things established. So Christina, can you speak to what SPI is, um, what's the philosophy, and kind of what's the model of instruction? Sure. So um, the Student Press Initiative is one of the initiatives um, based out of CPET. And we've been in existence now for about, actually since CPET started in 2002, and essentially, it is a writing initiative, and it's really aimed at providing opportunities for students to go public with their learning, um, and perhaps even more specifically than learning, it's their writing, right? So we really try to help teachers and students create projects that culminate in print-based publications that are shared with a real-world audience. Um, and I think that our, our mission is really kind of threefold. Um, I think that it's to help advance teacher leadership in reading and writing, um, to, again, provide opportunities for students to go public with their learning, and to really help develop curriculum um, inspired by highly specified genre studies. And when I say highly specified, I mean that we try to really encourage schools to think beyond just the traditional genres of school narrative, argument, informational, and find some of those blurry lines in between, either by thinking about a text that exists in the world that they love and using that to inspire the project, or um, by thinking about like what is an audience that we really want to write to and what kind of writing would that involve, what kind of writing would be most effective, um, or even thinking about like why do we want to write something, like what are we really motivated by, what do we think needs to be said. Um, and then kind of thinking through how we can support students in saying that and communicating that. Yeah, I mean, I guess what just strikes me, which I think is implicit in what you said, but you didn't fully articulate, is that kind of the empowerment of students that happens in the idea of like, you know, taking what they love in writing and then having the opportunity to create it in some form in themselves and then go public with it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think for most K-12 teachers, this isn't something traditional. So is this normally just a high school project, middle school? I mean, what are the populations that you're working Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Um, the way that I was actually introduced to the Student Press Initiative was as a classroom teacher. I was teaching third grade in Brooklyn, and there was a pilot program being offered um, to teachers through a fellowship. And the sort of motivation behind the pilot was to see, to create an after-school program, to see how an after-school program focused on writing could influence student attitudes uh, and performance in writing. So I, of course, was very interested in this, in this project um, because writing was one of the things that I felt um, particularly strong in as a teacher. In elementary, you teach everything, and I sort of found my niche in writing, so I was very excited at the opportunity. Um, so I ventured... Um, into the unknown and created a student publication project with my third grade students. So 
third grade absolutely can do it. Um, I The youngest I've ever done or the youngest project I've ever supported, I think it was second grade. Wow. Um, but I would say the majority of our projects have been with, at the high school level, but we've even done work with GED students that range from 18 to 21. There's been SPI projects with master students. Um, we've helped publish, include, I'm sorry, include the voices of senior citizens in publications. So I think the idea here is that anyone can publish um, and that it is a very sort of all-inclusive type of initiative um, that everyone has a story to tell and a unique voice to tell it and we're just helping them find the platform of which to do that. Yeah, and so Jen, I mean, I know that you're starting to get more and more deeply involved in this work. Can you talk about, I mean, I think what Christina has laid out is this aspirational thing that people might be listening to and say, whoa, what does that actually look like in practice? Can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it involves two things. One is the partnership with a teacher that you work with. So you, you know, you, you kind of enter into this space where the teacher invites you into their classroom you're, you're a guest, you're a coach, but you try to form a partnership that really empowers them to, do so, to try something new, to sort of take on project-based learning and say, what could we do? What could mm -hmm. we imagine? Mm -hmm. what, um, what are the possibilities for students to kind of forge something new, find a new voice, or um, just feel like they're writing for something that matters? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that you do is you kind of come along this side with students, which is part... Probably one of my favorite parts is that, um, you know, being in graduate school, I love the contact with students, and I love just coming and just saying, can I see what you're writing? Okay, let's talk, you know, and oh, how's that going, and what about this, or have you thought of that, and just that coaching aspect of working with kids and seeing them uh, taking something that's a real story from their life, or an example, or doing something that they haven't tried before, and then actually seeing it you know, eventually show up in a book. Yeah. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's very exciting. Yeah, so I mean, I think from what I'm hearing you say, like the start of this is, one, developing that relationship with a teacher where aspirations are kind of just put out on the table and not thinking about what are the constraints, but what are the possibilities? Mm -hmm. And then it sounds like actually just giving dedicated time and space mm -hmm. for kids to write. Or is there anything else in this process um, that I guess would be really good to know going in if someone were to try to do this in their classroom or maybe something to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, every teacher comes to the partnership with a, a different experience, a different um, mind, a mindset. So I think that we really try to meet the teacher where they are. I think that we are also strategic with which what teachers we work with. So sometimes our partnerships um, stem from the administrative level. So mm -hmm. a principal might say something like, I'm really interested in doing this kind of work, and then we'll sort of identify a teacher who might be interested in or ready to do this kind of work. Um, it might be that project-based learning is already sort of a foundation of the school, in which case we're coming in and kind of helping refine and hone and sort of deepen that practice, mm -hmm. and maybe even extend it to include now a publication that can be shared with the school community and you know a much wider audience. Um, but we really try to, to make sure that it's a right fit. Um, and there's a spectrum, right, of, mm -hmm. of the ways in which we work with, with the teacher. So it could be, oh, they're actually just kind of interested in learning a little bit about how to publish, and maybe we'll sort of introduce certain cultures or routines or practices to help prepare them for a um, sort of large-scale publication project the following year. Or it might be like, yeah, I'm ready. I want to do this. And we will help them imagine the unit from start to finish. What does it look like in curriculum? 
um, how do we implement it, and then how do we prepare for publishing um, as part of the partnership as well. So I think it really varies depending on where the teacher is, what they are interested in, and, and what they think they're capable of at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, so I guess what I'm hearing you say, and you kind of, I guess, already said it, though, is that there's no one model project Correct. for each, right? It's dependent Correct. on the school or the teacher or the classroom's particular needs. Yes. Um, do that. I have a couple other questions, but I just want to follow up on one thing you had mentioned. You mm -hmm. were saying getting ready for publication. What does getting ready for publication look like? Toward the latter part of the project? Yeah. yeah. So that's usually where, and Jen can speak to this specifically, so I'll let her jump in um, as well, but that's one of the key distinctions, I think, between what typically goes on in a classroom, even mm -hmm. if someone says, yes, I do project-based learning. I think that, you know, one of the things that I ask teachers is, and I've asked even coaches that I work with, is what are all of the tasks that you think go into designing, mm -hmm. um, publishing, and publicizing a book? And we kind of start there to be thinking about, okay, so what are the things that I, most of the design tasks, the teachers are most comfortable with, right? They're the things like creating the curriculum, coming up with what they want the, the book genre to be, maybe mm -hmm. some of the cover design and that all of that. But then when we get into sort of the publishing aspect of it, that's where perhaps they are inexperienced, right? Um, or maybe have varying degrees of experience. Maybe they've done something with a literary magazine. Maybe they've published themselves through some kind of uh, platform. But we really try to come in and help them say, okay, what are the things, what are the steps we need to take to submit it to the publishing software? So things like formatting, copy editing in a way that we might not have edited before, um, really sort of polishing up the work and uniforming it um, so that it all fits nice and clean into a, a final manuscript that's then submitted to publication. Um, but Jen, do you want to speak a little bit about that process? Because I know you've gone through it. Yeah, I, one of the other things is also capturing a couple of things like the foreword. Mm -hmm. Who's going to mm -hmm. endorse your book? Um, the introduction. Who's going to talk about the creation of the project? And like that often falls on the teachers, mm -hmm. you know, to sort of say we were dreaming about something we could do or that we mm -hmm. were thinking about and this is how it all came to be. Um, bios of the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so there's the technical aspects of layout and all of that, but there's mm -hmm. also the, this creation of a book that you, oftentimes you don't think you've got to, you know, create the title and the table of contents and, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the acknowledgements of people who supported the process. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's very much a learning curve for each project, mm -hmm. I think. Because, uh, first of all, the like, students are all different and what they want represented. Some students, they just want to do a group, group photo. Mm -hmm. Some students want to do individual photos yes, with do. bios <laughs> next to the piece, you know, so... And pull out quotes <laughs> of, like, their best line at the top. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's very much shaped by the individual class. Um, sometimes students get involved in designing the cover or uh, taking the photographs or you know, creating the blurb at the back. Mm -hmm. um, so there's all kinds of uh, other things that students can do as well to get involved in the publication of it, not just being an author in the book. Yeah, I guess I just want to follow up on that because mm -hmm. as you're speaking this, and not I don't mean this in a vocational way at all, it's a very professional process mm -hmm. in terms of thinking not just the publication, but the publicizing. And so how does that work break down between teachers and coaches and students? What does maybe that process look like? Yeah, so I think... Um, Again, we try to do a lot of the mapping of that out in the beginning um, by helping the teacher understand what it is that they are um, taking on. Um, and one of the questions that I always like to ask is, 
what do you anticipate being the support that you will need? What is your way preferred way of working? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to come into the classroom and co-teach with you? Do you want me to work with small groups of students? Um, do you want me to support you more sort of remotely and online and offering you feedback? Do you want me to come in and visit and just watch you and then give you feedback about how you mm-hmm. can you know move forward and what the next steps might be? Um, so I think that, you know, again, it's really about what is going to, to lead us towards success um, and what is, what is most helpful or what will be most helpful to you. Um, but then in terms of the students, I think that the more that, I mean, like, like Jen said, the more that we can connect with the students, the more rewarding it is for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of your point about it being a real professional um, learning opportunity as well, I think that that's going to vary um, depending on the site and the school as well. So, for example, sometimes um, the students aren't ready to take on more of those tasks, mm-hmm. um, the sort of production tasks or the editing tasks, um, or maybe a few of them are. So you'll create a lunchtime um, mm-hmm. meeting or an after-school meeting, right? Other times, and I, an example of this is a project we were doing in Singapore where the students or, and the teacher wanted them to take on everything, every single aspect of this. So they were designing the cover using their own sort of software. I think they were using Adobe or Photoshop. Um, they were doing things that I certainly don't know how to do. So that, but that was part of the, the course that he was mm-hmm. teaching and part of the sort of outcomes that he was aiming for for his students so that this really became a course about learning how to write for publication that they can take with them beyond that class. So I think that there's definitely, again, levels of um, involvement, of participation, and also a spectrum in terms of what's possible. Yeah, uh, that sounds amazing. And I I mean, I hate to be the Debbie Downer in the conversation because everything that you guys have said so far is amazing. Um, But what are some of the difficulties with implementing a project like this um, and getting students to do this work? Yeah, I think one of the big challenges is sometimes just getting the students to step in. One thing I noticed on my last project is that they, they get excited about the idea, but when they start, first start writing, they get a little frustrated with themselves. They, mm-hmm. they can't always do what they want to do on paper. Um, what is exciting to see is that as the project progresses, and the, the, the whole idea of this being a real thing, is that the momentum actually pushes them to push out better work. So while they might struggle to step in and have confidence in the beginning, I've you know what I tend to see is that they suddenly think, no, this is for real. This matters. You know, so they start stepping up and they start trying stuff um, that they didn't try before. So encouraging that process, I think, and just being aware of where students are at and encouraging them when they're, you know, feeling that wobble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, I think that's one of the most important things that we can support the teachers in. And the students as well, you know? Yeah, and I think in terms of challenges for teachers, um, one of the ones I hear all the time is time um, Mm -hmm. because teachers have so little Mm -hmm. time anyway. And so oftentimes a lot of what I'm doing in the beginning is coaching them to understand what the time commitment would look like and that a lot of what we're helping teach them are best practices just period, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll give you an example. So one of the things... um, that we really, really push 
as part of this work is feedback to students. Students need feedback in order to know what they're doing well and where they need to improve. All of us do. I think any of us who've yeah. sort of taken on a writing task, we are desperate for the feedback, right? That becomes heightened in a publication project because now their words mm-hmm. are being put in a book, which is shared with a much wider audience. It's not just to the teacher. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know building in time strategically over the course of the project to give feedback to students um, is super important. Yet a teacher might say, "Oh my goodness, you know I have." 65 kids, you know, or more than that, depending on how many um, classes that are involved in the publication. So it's about, okay, well, how are we going to work through that? Maybe we divide and conquer because now that I'm your coach in this project, I'll take on some of the the giving of feedback. I mean, I know a colleague of mine is probably next door right now going through student essays and offering feedback um, as part of his uh, role in the project. Um, And then I think another one is that these kinds of projects inevitably have deadlines, Right. And whereas if you're doing just a unit in your classroom and trying to get through your pacing calendar for the year, it's a little bit different than I have to hit my deadlines to submit to publication so that my books are in in the hands of my students at the right time, in Mm -hmm. time for our celebration, et cetera. So I think a lot of what we do, um, which I'm, you know, totally okay with is being that motivational coach and being like, we can do this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of the, the process is that heightened sense of deadlines and, you know, tasks that we need to complete. Um, but it can very much become a community with your students that I think a, one teacher that I worked with um, called it hell night, right? Like we got two hell nights and then we submit, we're almost there. And he, ordered, he would order pizza for them and, yeah. you know, bring in soda because it was just, it was, it was exciting while at the same time really nerve wracking. Um, so I think, yeah, in terms of challenges, you know, it's definitely, um, you don't fully know what you're getting yourself into. Um, I can try, we can try to explain it as best we can. But then once you see those books come out and once you see the students' faces as they open up the boxes and they get their books or that they read in front of an audience of 250 people, I think it everybody is able to recognize how worth it um, it really is and um, want to do one the next year. So yeah. I also think it's a really good um, community-building exercise. I think at times there, there are times when you feel very fractured in school, like mm-hmm. each teacher doing their solitary activity and... Um, a publication product, project like this, I think, offers the opportunity for everybody to celebrate something really good that's happening in the school. Yes, absolutely. And you can involve parents. Um, you're inviting other teachers, past pupils, mm-hmm. um, or you just invite the whole grade or all the writing classes. Right. You know, so it creates a, a larger sense of we're you know what this purpose. is what we're doing yeah. and mm-hmm. purpose. You know, this sense of. Uh, we want we want to uh, have a voice in our community, or we want to uh, be proud of our children. Um, the, you know, the kids I was working with last year, they were all from immigrant families, and this was one of the first things they had done mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. They literally entered the class within, and within six weeks, were practically publishing something either in their own language or in English, depending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I. I watch them walk around with their books at a book signing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just love, I just love that they're like, Miss, Miss, will you sign my book? Will you sign right. my book? And that's when you sort of get, that's the reward, right? But you mm-hmm. have to, it takes a lot to get there, mm-hmm. um, especially with the pressure of the of just the timelines and what you can accomplish in a school day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like from what both of you are saying is that the actual difficulties of this project 
are kind of the things that make the project go. Yeah. Whether it's the time commitment or whether it's the fact that this is going to be published and so kids are getting discouraged with themselves at first because they don't feel it's good enough, but then when they push through, they get that rewarding feeling at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there's something empowering as an educator mm-hmm. in that. But one thing I guess I want to follow up on, mm-hmm. um, and this is maybe just sensitive from my own experience as a teacher, is you know, the additional time mm-hmm. and, and how do teachers end up managing that difficulty? Um, yeah, I guess I won't go too much of my own experience, but I would just love to hear maybe some of the strategies that people have used to do this process well and manage that time constraint. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, again, it's a sort of case by case basis. And I think that we offer, we, I, at this point I've done, I've been doing this for about seven years now and I've com- helped um, a lot of different teachers publish a lot of different publications. So I, I can anticipate pretty well at this point where I think I'm going to need to be a little more heavy handed. Mm-hmm. It's usually towards the end when it's, um, you know, the teachers have edited as best that they can and you start to kind of get blurry eyed at that point and you need another set of eyes on the work. Um, so it's, it's really about, uh, kind of anticipating the sort of editing, formatting and preparing for, um, publication phase. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, um, we'll, I'll take on some of that work or, or we'll divide it out or we'll even recruit some, we've had volunteers, um, from CPET, um, participate in these projects either to translate things or to transcribe things because it's, I think it's a lot of times that logistical stuff that, um, becomes the most difficult. The instruction part, teachers usually feel pretty good about how to teach this, what activities, um, they know their students very well. So I think a lot of it is about helping sort of pacify their concerns about that final phase of the project. Um, But the other thing is that when we do more collaborative projects where let's say we're working with a department of teachers or a grade of teachers, is that they're all there supporting one another now, right? And so they'll either swap pieces and then they'll get, you know, editing um, feedback from a different teacher mm-hmm. or, you know, sometimes I've even seen them send kids into other classrooms to help with differentiation or even just where the students are with the project so that, again, you're now broadening your community um, and that can often help even if it's just through encouragement um, sort of at minimum, but at most actually kind of taking on some of the other tasks uh, of one another can be really helpful as well. Um and I think that these projects lend themselves to collaboration, whether it's, again, by um, a teacher on the same grade level or in the same content area, but also cross-disciplinary. Um, mm-hmm. I, we've had uh, projects where they've worked with the art teacher, where they've worked with um, the photography class, right? So that there's ways to sort of lean on people um, to help uh, take on some of the work and take on some of the load. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic, and (laughs) given that it is so fantastic, if someone wanted to get involved um, in the project, what are different ways that they could do that? How would they go about doing that? Yeah, so I think, um, first and foremost, if anyone is interested, they should absolutely reach out to us. Um, you know, I think that we have literature that we can share and I can, I can share that, um, with, with you, Matt, and you can post it on, um, what are, what are they called? The show notes. The show notes. (laughs) Um, they can also absolutely visit our website, which, um, is tc.edu forward slash CPET. Um, and if you actually click on the initiatives link, um, you'll see the student press initiative in there. Um, and with, within our website, we have, uh, a, a pretty comprehensive list of all of the publications, um, actually, I won't say all of them because 
we couldn't possibly fit 500 <laughs> on our website. Um, but there not, are... Not, not that there's any bragging going <laughs> on there. <laughs> Was that bragging? Um, but yeah, we've tried to give you a nice sampling organized by genre for you to see the kinds of projects that we've done. They're also available for purchase on the website, so oh, you can awesome. literally click on uh, one of the covers or the titles of the book to purchase them. Jen and I worked very closely on um, content for that website last summer, so we're very excited about what's there. So there's definitely a sampling of publications that we've done. Um, there's also some sample curriculum. So it just gives you a little sample of what a sort of SPI or publication unit looks like. Um, that's also available for purchase. Um, and for not much money at all, I have to say, just from experience of what mm -hmm. curriculum cost. But it would, it, it would include or could include a class set of the books that went along with the, pro uh, the project so that you ha now have mentor texts if you're interested. Mm -hmm. Um, along with coaches' reflections and notes um, that help provide a narrative to the unit, right? Like, what does the unit yeah. plan not tell me? What are the things I need to know? Um, so that's on there as well. And then lastly, um, they also give a sampling of the ways we've worked with schools. Mm -hmm. So, for example, sometimes we'll come in after school and we'll do an after-school project. Sometimes the, the goal is to be a very curriculum-embedded project, right? Like, we use this specific kind of curriculum, um, and we'll go in and we'll try to help them sort of remix it or reimagine it a little bit. Um, the other thing we've done is we have different ways of working with schools. So if we're looking to really uh, work from the teacher perspective, like a real sort of PD model, mm -hmm. sometimes teachers come out of the classroom and come and visit uh, Teachers College and participate in a workshop series where they learn the publishing process. They learn how to create and implement the project and then do that back at their schools with little support from us, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully we've sort of equipped them with the things they need to know at the workshops. Other times we'll come on site and we'll work alongside them. Um, depending on how many teachers are interested, we might have one to two coaches, sometimes three coaches. Um, so I think, yeah, it definitely starts with a conversation like, hey, I'm interested. Could you tell me a little bit more? Um, and then we kind of gauge from there and we determine what might be the best sort of course of action, what kind of project, how many people, et cetera. Yeah, so I mean, I just I love the fact that it seems that there are different entry points, whether it's coming to a PD, whether it's like a more full on partnership. I think we were talking before and you had mentioned that one school you've been partnered with for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, Hoboken High School. So yes, we do venture outside of New York City <laughs> and um, New York State and even the United States. Um, not that I'm bragging again, but um, yeah, so they've done a signature project in their 11th grade with their ELA department for the, this will be our 10th edition. They are very excited about it. Um, we're going to do something special with the cover and the back and I don't know what we're thinking yet, but we want to put that stamp on there to, uh, to celebrate our 10 year partnership for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think also someone as a former educator, knowing that this is like an iterative process and not a one and done or has the potential to be, um, is also great. And so I guess just to wrap things up, even <laughs> though the whole conversation has been a high note, I mean, <laughs> what is a success story from a past project that you've worked on that's really reinvigorated your belief in this model or just had it been in somewhat of a transformative experience as an educator, whether it's within yourself or something that you've seen in students? I think of um, one of the teachers we worked with last year mm -hmm. who had done a, pub a publication project before and she literally drove the process. Like as a teacher, I, d I don't think I'd ever seen such agency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, she literally was like, uh, goes to the principal and says, we need to do a project and then she framed it around really very current events around the Trump administration and immigration policies and then 
you know, and, and just with her vision of the kids having boys, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it was just really exciting to see. I, I felt like as a teacher, she could really live out a lot of her convictions that perhaps, um, you know, with, with you know, in, in terms of just enabling her students, like that, that vision of like, I really want to offer the opportunity to my students to have a, a chance that schooling, regular schooling doesn't always offer, mm-hmm. right? To do something that matters, to do something that um, expresses an opinion and puts themselves out there at, at a little bit of risk, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of risk. I think, I yeah. felt like that was a very risky project, actually. When I was first entering it, I thought, my goodness, you know, this is like really something students... They've got to make a decision. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. I'm putting my voice out there. This is going to be published in my community. Um, so, yeah, it was. It was a. It was just fun to see how her vision drove it. And we, you know, like oftentimes you offer a project to schools, and they say, "We, yeah, we think we'd like to try that." She mm-hmm. was like, "I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. happening." Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, and just her, uh, I think pride in the students and the students pride in themselves that's what I really saw come out of a project as risky as this is that at the end the students are really proud of themselves and feeling the sense of um, in whatever way they were able to express themselves and their story um, and their disagreement um, with what was happening around them that it was it was something that they felt like yes I I did that you know mm-hmm Absolutely. I, when you asked that question, I was literally trying to rack my brain about um, my favorite success story. <laughs> but I think what um, keeps me doing all of this work and keeps me sort of um, encouraging and motivating and inspiring others to do it is, I think, the celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more recently, we've done a lot of collaborative celebrations um, where schools, multiple schools will come to Teachers College. And they don't really know each other. I mean, you know, a lot of them don't speak English. They're from all over the world. And to watch them, I have been so impressed with the students' compassion and respect and just encouragement of one another. Um, and at the readings, I think, you know, it's, it's even, even the students who say, yes, I want to read, of course, or, you know, naturally you'll freeze sometimes or you'll stumble on a word or you'll lose your place or whatever. And the students from other schools have started clapping and Mm -hmm. like yelling out to encourage them. And I think that also the celebrations allow a space for students who in the beginning of the project wouldn't say a word, wouldn't say a peep, Um, maybe didn't write very much. Uh, We really didn't know whether or not they'd end up being able to publish. And then I think when they are the ones that end up getting up there and reading their piece like a boss in front of everybody, I just think is what makes these, again, what makes these projects all worth it or another reason why these projects are all worth it. And so I think those celebrations are um, particularly rewarding for me and I think just really capture the success um, and, and really the sort of holistic and comprehensive success behind these projects beyond just writing skills but confidence and speaking and listening and empathy and all of those things and I think that they're really evident at those celebrations for sure I mean you all said it better than I ever could (laughs) but I I guess what what I'm left with is just 
You know, so oftentimes in education, we think about the constraints and what kids can't do as mm -hmm. opposed to the possibilities. And this mm -hmm. is a project that really opens up to those aspirations and whether that's a teacher taking ownership or whether that's a student celebrating and overcoming something that may have been difficult for them, whether it's through word or actually speaking those mm -hmm. words. Um, so that's really great. So again, if you are interested, there are multiple ways to reach out and we'll make sure to have the website uh, in the show notes. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks Bye. all. Thanks for having us.